Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics. Featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public service professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Republican Jillian Burness, Democrat Theo Hardeman, Democrat David Herrera, and Republican Max Rice. Our program tonight coming to you from our own base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago, the Paul and Angel Harvey Radio Studio. Nice to have you with us. Our phone lines are open at 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. If you want to email me a comment, it's beyondthebeltway2019 at gmail.com. If you want to tweet me a comment, it's at dumo at D-U-M-O. Of course, you can join us on the World Wide Web, beyondthebeltway.com. Not only this program, but if you ever miss a show, you can always find it there. And of course, we are live on Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont Facebook, and we're also live on YouTube around the world. So nice to have you with us. As you can tell, I've come down with a horrible case of bad throat. Uh, I have a post-nasal drip. I'm on antibiotics, but again, lots of cough syrup, but this is what you got tonight, folks. But again, hopefully we got a lot of great guests and they'll be sharing their thoughts. Most of our guests this evening uh, have never been on this program because occasionally we get uh, uh, email sending uh, uh, notes to us, say, when are you going to have some new voices on? Well, we have a lot of new voices and also a, a very articulate uh, a senior voice that joins us this evening. And obviously the big story in the country is the president has really uh, you know, hyped the idea that there were going to be massive uh, ice raids in 10 large cities uh, today. And as of the moment, not too much has been happening. So I want to get reaction from everybody as to uh, whether or not a mistake was made by the White House to announce that these raids were taking place. And then it appears that they haven't taken place. So how should people react to that? David Herrera, welcome. You're one of our first uh, guest this evening. Nice to have you with us. Thank you. Uh, you once ran for alderman in a, in a heavily Hispanic ward in Chicago. Correct. You yeah. were unsuccessful, but you may try again. But you, you live in a neighborhood with a lot of Hispanics. What is your reaction to the president's hype of the ice raids? And uh, how, how should people react when they didn't appear to happen today? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, it was pretty silent. I, I've did see a lot of unmarked cars in the area driving through most of yesterday um but it could have been a pump fake maybe they're just looking at where people are moving and kind of um trying to trying to see if, if there's mass movement you know my understanding has been they're, they're going after people with criminal backgrounds so um yeah. Jillian Burnish, you're one of our republicans what is your uh, what's your reaction to uh, the hype and the reality that that came today well, I'm really appreciative to be here, Bruce. Thank you for Thank the you. invitation. And uh, to have a civic, a civil conversation with people is really refreshing these days. Well, that's early um, <laughs> <in> the <show. laughs> That's true. I um, am someone who has uh, professionally worked with the immigrant community. I was a teacher. I currently teach ESL. And I think that often um, these individuals, there were 2,000 uh, deportation orders that uh, ICE agents were going, looking to f fulfill, and they were looking to go after people who have had due process, who have gone through the justice system. And so they're looking to um, now execute deportation orders. Um, I think that the timing of it, um, I think when you have 
something you plan to do and you tell people ahead of time, um, that kind of ruins the element of surprise. So I don't know what they're thinking of doing, but I have to imagine that this is something that happens all the time. So these is something that's consistently happening that people are, uh, the ACE agents are going after um, these deportation orders and executing them. Tio Hardeman joins us. He's one of our Democrats, ran for governor of Illinois. Tio, uh, nice to have you with us this evening. Uh, you spend a lot of time in the African-American community. Right. Do they talk or think much about this issue, specifically going after, uh, going after people, primarily Hispanic, that uh, they want to throw out of the country? Well, I'd like to say this. I think Donald Trump is kind of stuck in the John Wayne era, meaning that he's the commander-in-chief. He wants to be the big shot. So he's scaring a lot of people nationwide. But at the same time, Bruce, I'm the only politician in the United States that has a solution for the immigration crisis. Number one is that if a person's been over here a year or less, they should go back and come, come back over here the proper way. And number two, if you've been over here a year or more, you should pay a fine of $1,000 a year. And we place you on a deferred payment and raise the money. I think that's a solution because with that type of solution, then you don't have to go through all these ice raids and all this crazy stuff separating children and everything. I want to get back to uh, your, some of your ideas in a moment, but I want to get Max Rice into the conversation. Another Republican. He ran yes. for Congress against Jan Schakowsky. Uh, what, uh, what's your take? Is the president doing the right thing uh, uh, by, uh, by, by raising, the, uh, raising the threat but maybe not delivering as much? Well, well, thanks, Tio, for offering, like, a solution, because uh, I think both sides have turned into a whole, like, social media issue versus an actual mm-hmm. thing. Because as you said, no ice raid is actually, like, we're not seeing anything. Fix or it hasn't happened, as they say on social media. And, uh, yeah, he, I think they're kind did, of, he's tweeting about it. The Democrats are tweeting, like, here are your rights, and we're seeing think, nothing. But do you yeah. think that, the, did the president do that to alert the community, or did the president do that to alert his base? I Who was the target of this? I think the base, because if he was actually doing it to deport uh, people, he would just do it. But again, right should, or wrong, yeah. Should should those people who are in the country illegally, who have been gone, who have gone through adjudication, a judge has signed a deportation order, should those people be rounded up and removed from the country? Yes or no? Well, as as you mentioned in past shows, and David just mentioned now, yeah, the people like the very narrow one of the eleven million who have committed felonies should be deported. So, but I, you say, but yeah, only those. Only no, I'm not saying, but that's what I thought the target of, of today's ice raid was supposed to be. Well, there's yeah, that, that's been. That, that I know back it's been a forth. whole yeah. We've been kicking the. Can I was going to say that I also think that what I see President Trump doing often is he'll say things to get the opposition to respond in very. Um, Silly ways. Yeah. So he'll say things, and then um, we have 2,000 individuals who have gone through proper due process, who have gone through our justice system. We have uh, deportation orders by judges, and now there's opponents who say, "How can we possibly deport these individuals?" That is, that, that is never and explained a... to anybody by the media, though. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, I know. The, the media, the <laughs> I know me- that <laughs> the media carries the democratic line, mm-hmm. and that is to, to scare the hell out of everybody. David, I mean, they, they could be more specific. Well, I... I the, the, the thing about that, that they're going after uh, those that have committed crimes, that that's a relatively new thing that came up, you know, since he announced that the raids were going to take place. Yeah, I mean, it's equal justice under the law. You know, being here undocumented 
technically violates our laws, but you know you have to look at the letter of the law or the spirit of the law. You know, being a Judeo-Christian society, you know, I, I err on, hey, the spirit of the law. But I think what Trump's really doing is um, he's trying to broker a deal, right? You've got hardliners on both sides of the aisle. At the end of the day, I think that there could be a grand bargain to be had. Um, and, you know, the status quo hasn't worked for about 25 years or so since uh, Reagan's last policy in 86 with the amnesty. And I, I would trade you a wall for amnesty and, and uh, the Dreamers Act. Well, we'll see if that happens. I've heard about the Dreamers for a while. 1-800-723-8029 from coast to coast and border to border. I'm Bruce Dumont. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Tito, I wanted to get your uh, answer to the question. Um, in, in this particular case, because they violated the law by coming to the country illegally, is that sufficient for you that they should be picked up and deported? Or are you only concerned with... Uh, going after people who, once they've come to the country illegally, have committed another crime. Yeah, if you're here in the United States and you're here <clears> illegally <throat> and you committed a crime, you should be uh, deported, without a doubt. But in the United States, we have laws. And if you come over here illegally, on, on the flip side, uh, we have laws here in the land. So if a judge ordered you, ordered you to be deported, you, you may have to be deported and come back the proper way. I mean, uh, I think a lot so of this problems, should, yeah. So this should be simple. Why is this not such a simple thing? Because Republicans want cheap labor and Democrats want a voter base. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Totally agree. It's so a no, perfect no, storm for no, votes. Nobody wants it. And, and, and the news media doesn't want to paint this in the, in the, in the way it should be painted. Because what we're talking about is, we're, <clears throat> you basically, uh, the, the news media for the last 48 hours, they've been giving a course on how to avoid ice raids. This is like giving advice to how to harbor criminals. It's good ratings. But people, yeah. but people aren't, too many Americans are not viewing these people as criminals. They don't see them as criminals. Well, I think a lot of what's happening to people at the border when they do cross <clears throat> illegally is awful. We have a huge crisis. There are detention centers that are full of people that are overflowing, and we were seeing images today of that. And it truly is like disheartening to see that. But, I mean, Democrats have to act. There were um, proposed legislation that came out 
uh, previously to kind of take care of this crisis, and no one seems to want to do anything about it. Well, they denied it. there was a crisis, David. They, well, the thing they is, wouldn't I even admit there was a crisis in January. What needs to happen from the Trump administration, educate the people in the proper, un so people can understand what the immigration status may be of the people they're trying to deport. I don't think the education is going out the way it should. I agree. Yes. The media has not helped, but they have not. And, and by the way, I think part of the confusion is they will announce that there's going to be raids, that they're go they, they, they explain that the people they're going after are people that have had a judge rule that they should be out. Those, those are the alleged 2,000 people that were the target for this weekend. And then somebody at some point, e either from the administration says or someone in the news media says, well, they're only going to go after lawbreakers, which means that they've, you know, they've stolen a car or they've done something. So that, that's confusion right there. That's what I'm talking about. To me, to me if, you've, if you've broken the law mm -hmm. and you've come into this country, you are a criminal. You've broken the law. But that's not the way the people are being portrayed. They're being portrayed as just, you know, it's a humanitarian crisis. And I understand both ends of it, okay? I really do, so I don't want to be so hard. No, but, but on the humanitarian, it. I think this is what, I think everything is being conflated here. Yes, indeed. You've got, you've got the dreamers, which is one population. You've got the people who are here illegally, which, which have, who have a deportation order against them. You have another population that's here illegally and they don't have a deportation order against them. And then you have criminals or people sneaking into the country right now who are swimming across the Rio Grande, and that's another one. And, and I think the Democrats and, and the, to some extent the Republicans, they're lumping all these people into one population. It's not. And yes. there's different answers for it, David. Yeah, there's different segments here. Um, you know, two third we we have between 10 to 12 million of undocumented in the U.S. Uh, immigrants are 90 percent of our population. There's about 29 percent. We're 29 percent of the 90 million, 29 percent. So, 60 million of those are Latino Hispanic. So, and two two thirds of the undocumented here are here. Um, they have family relatives here. So, in their work, their their work, their law-abiding citizenship. Citizen, you know, they're law-abiding. Law um, is there a pathway to citizenship for them? And and the thing is that we need a reform, and we need to get to a point where um, there has to be a grand bargain between both sides because it is a humanitarian crisis. We part part of, part of the segment are criminals. The other segment are minors who we we should approach differently as well. But again, if 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 a family comes here and and they have crossed into the country illegally. The parents are illegal, they're undocumented, and so are the children. So at what point, when the parents are arrested, let me ask you this question, when the parents are detained, uh, at what point does it become the problem of the parents why they brought their kids? Well, it's a why, why, is it, why is it our problem? Why does the United States government people that work for the Border Patrol, why do they become viewed as the bad guys, the boogeyman? Where people literally, literally, they're they're trying to disrupt their private lives well, the because best, they're enforcing the law. Well, the best answer I could give you as a parent, <clears> if <throat> I come over here illegally with my children and then uh, I, I, I get arrested or whatever the case may be, I'm not going to allow the United States government government to so separate separate me from my kids. In other words, I have to take my kids back with me across the other side of the border. 
That's the it's incumbent upon the parents to do that. What I'm saying, let's say the officer. But they're not question. doing it. Now they should they should do it. There's no way in the world you should let anybody separate you from your children because the trauma the kids experience when they're separated, we can never even put ourselves in their shoes to understand it. So that's what I would do as a parent. I would make sure, give me my kids back. We going back over here on the other side of the border where Max, we came from. What do you think on that? On uh, family separation. Yeah. I think it's about TV ratings, honestly, and that's why the media is focusing on that narrow part of the whole problem. Hundred thousand kids show up unaccompanied. What do you say TV yeah. ratings? And it's the, and I think the, it goes the media back to is the, only concerned about that. Yeah, because it's great. It's great. But again, photo what, should, ops what and, should but what should happen to the children? Congress should come together and come with a good solution, well, and, and fund these detention centers and like actually well, they, put due process and work. And when we talk about immigration, we don't talk about the the Nazi that was in this country illegally for twelve years that we finally de deported uh, last year. Yeah, but in, yeah. In, the, in the case of, of looking for uh, parents to do the right thing, the fact that they brought their kids into the United States, now you can make a case, as does the media, as do many in the Democrats, as I think I can make the case. These are parents trying to give a better life to their kids, and they're, yeah. and they're fleeing a country where they're, where they're likely to be victims of, of gang violence, and they're trying to build a better life for their kids. But again, they can't complain. Once they, once they make that trek, when they get to the United States, they can't complain about being separated from their kids if they violated the law. Yeah. No way Anyone world, that's yeah. ever been arrested in the African-American community in the criminal justice system, they're, they're separating themselves from their families. They don't, they don't get a chance to stay with their families well, when they're say, sent to jail. Well, I have to say this, Bruce. I believe in speaking truth to power, and I know some people may not like it, but I'm a, I represent a different perspective. If Africa was on the borderline of the United States, African people would be sent back to Africa immediately. I guarantee you that. And they would probably have an electronic fence. When they touch the fence, they would be electrocuted. I just have to say that because the reality mm -hmm. is that that's the mindset of some people. I respect everybody in the world, all human beings, but nobody should be called illegal. But at the same time, you should never allow nobody to separate you from your children. The main thing to do as a parent, once you get caught crossing the border illegally, you, you should say to the officers, I'm going back with my kids right now. We'll try it another day. I mean, really. Because it's just the trauma is, is just, you can't understand it. Those kids are suffering in them detention centers out there. You got kids as uh, young as four or five years old, seven years old, 10 years old. They need their parents. And it's wrong to separate uh, parents from the kids. And everyone feels for these families. I don't think anyone, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, doesn't feel for children being separated from their parents. Um, these are families that come across the border and within 20 hours, the US government is not able to hold children beyond that time period. And so these are families that are released into the country to await their uh, their hearings. Um, and what happens from there, we don't know. But there's also cases of, unfortunately, young people coming across unaccompanied, um, like Max referenced, but also um, with people who aren't their family members. And that that's really dangerous, too, to have. I think there was um, a report out that about 30% of children that do cross the border cross with people who aren't related to them. And so so how we need legislation now. I mean, it, Clinton deported people, and then we had Bush deporting people, and then we had Obama deporting people, and they've deported more people than Trump has deported in his time in office. So this isn't something that's just happening now. This is something that needs did, to be They didn't talk from, about it during the debate. That was, pretty, that was pretty well covered did, in 2012. Did the, Trump, did the Trump administration, were they prepared? Were they given enough advance warning 
that they should have been better prepared. In other words, their requests for more money from Congress to deal with the onslaught, should they have been more aggressive in doing it? Now, we should also say the Democrats didn't even acknowledge there was a crisis there. They, they should have, but I'll, I'll give them some slack because uh, I think it's kind of like when everyone thought Obama was going to increase gun, gun control. Everyone bought guns. Unaccompanied minors at the border increased by 656% after Trump got elected. So there was such just like an influx of people, and Congress does but, nothing as usual. And well, but 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 the question is, yeah. Congress have the ability. I mean, the Democrats not the will. The Democrats have had the power and the votes since early January to provide the four billion dollars they just provided ten days ago. They could have provided that in January, in February. And when 52,000 beds were asked for, yeah. and, and the Democrats said no, they weren't going to do 52,000 more beds. 52,000 more beds at the border would have made life better for those people that we're talking about. You're not had wrong, Had it been, <laughs> yeah. been done in January and February. I mean, Donald Trump offered a, a DACA for the wall trade a year ago. I was listening to a congressman from Georgia who voted to support the dollars to go towards more beds. That didn't happen. Uh, Lindsey Graham is proposing more dollars go to Central America to help those countries in aid so that we can get our, um, as long as there's things like making sure asylum changes. And so there's, um, there's ways we can solve this. It needs to be done, and we can't just have people voicing frustrations on Twitter. We've got uh, callers coming in, maybe perhaps uh, uh, offering some frustration themselves. And they're calling from Austin, Texas, where you used to uh, reside. So we will hear from them when we roll out from Chicago. I'm Bruce Dubon. And it worked. Keeping in touch with family and friends or reaching public safety officials can be challenging during power outages. If telecom networks are affected by severe weather or other conditions, the FCC recommends following these guidelines. Call 911 only when necessary and limit non-emergency calls. Avoid repetitive redialing to minimize network congestion. Try texting if a call doesn't go through. Conserve battery power. Switch mobile phones and devices to power-saving modes and turn off when not in use. If evacuated, forward landline calls to your cell phone if possible. If you're using your car to charge cell phones or listen to news on the car radio, be aware that carbon monoxide emissions can be deadly in an enclosed space such as a garage. Remember, always seek shelter in dangerous conditions and follow directions from public safety officials. For more info, go to FCC.gov emergency. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for being with us tonight. And again, an apology for uh, a real bad voice this evening, but uh, we've got some guests that are chatting it up. And uh, we're going to let them introduce themselves right now. And we're going to begin making her maiden voyage. Jillian Burness. Jillian? Hi, I'm Jillian Burness. In my professional life, I'm an international relations manager with a large medical association. And then in my private life, I'm active civically in my um, community. I sit as the vice president of my library board. I'm also the secretary of the mental health committee at my township. Um, I teach English as a second language at my church, and I'm a member of the local Rotary Club. Okay. And you're, you, you uh, spent a lot of time in Austin, Texas. I spent two years in Austin, Texas, and then six years in Chile in Santiago. Okay. 
And and you went through their immigration process to get back in the United States? Not to get back into the United States. Okay. So whenever I travel outside of the United States to a different country, yes. I always get ch checked in at port and then checked out at port. In Chile, I was there long enough to apply for residency. So I went through every year I had to check in as a um, someone who was there on a work visa. And then I was uh, went through their residency um, immigration process. Was it a difficult process? It was. It was tedious. Um, it was sometimes, obviously, it was my second language. So I did everything in Spanish. Um, it was uh, often misunderstood, uh, not certain what papers to bring, sent back to go get different things. Um, but you made it work because I felt I was a guest in that country and I needed to follow the protocols and I needed to respect the, the rule of law there. <laughs> Teal Hardeman, what a concept. Well, yes, respect the rule of law. But we must respect the rule of law. And uh, I'm Teal Hardeman, former Democratic candidate for governor here in the state of Illinois. I currently serve as an adjunct professor in the field of criminal justice and restorative justice at North Park University. And I'm also the president of Violence Interrupters Incorporated and former director of Ceasefire Illinois and a community leader on a lot of different levels here in the, in the city of Chicago and throughout our great, great state. Okay. Max Nash joins us. Okay. Max Rice. Max Rice, I'm <laughs> sorry. The Chinese food, yeah. I'm sorry. My name is Max Rice. I'm the <laughs> Max Rice. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Yeah, it's, actually, when I, when I ran for Congress, they misspelled my name. Okay. That's oh, why really? I lost an endorsement. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm sorry. Max Rice. Go ahead. No. Don't worry. Yeah, but uh, Max Rice, I'm the operations manager of an energy company, Energy CX. And we represent hundreds of businesses in Illinois and thousands nationally on their energy spend. And uh, politically, I ran for Congress. Top four finisher in the Republican primary in 2018. <laughs> Top four in a field of? And also, which I think is very in interesting. field of? A four. Okay. And you need to mention that, though. <laughs> and then also, uh, I'm infamous for pranking Fox News eight years ago. So I was, uh, I was calling out fake news before. It was cool. How, how did you prank them? I, I snuck on a little bit. A little minor celebrity got me on the, on the show, Charlie oh, Kirk. Oh. Of Turning Point USA. And yeah. what did you I do? got him blackballed for a year. And uh, I just kind of made a fool of myself, and it got a lot of hits on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> You're not part of a prank tonight, there. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> right. David Herrera. Be crushing under your, uh, yeah. yeah, David Herrera, uh, born and raised in Chicago. Um, I recently ran for alderman in the 26th Ward, generally speaking, Humble Park neighborhood. Uh, my family's been in that community for 62 years, so we've seen it change from the 60s through now, and now it's changing again with gentrification. So uh, career-wise, I was a financier, worked in investment banking, private equity, investment management, decided to start my own firm. Um, so I'm an entrepreneur, real estate developer. I developed Chicago's first uh, all-coaling building. And prior to my campaign, just pretty much uh, project sponsoring, raising capital, and I'm actually raising a private equity group how, right how now. How strong a Democrat are you? I mean. I mean, you're a businessman, all yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of businessmen are more independent than Democrats. Well, I I, uh, I was the pro-business candidate in my campaign, and I had very good ideas in terms of creating economic empowerment zone, opportunity zones in, in Chicago because we have a beautiful canvas. In Chicago, we have a lot of warehousing and manufacturing that has left because we are not competitive. And people are leaving. They're leaving out of the state. They're leaving the city. Um, and we talk about displacement. That That's a part of it. If there aren't any jobs, people are going to relocate. I've had family members leave and move to Texas because Nabisco closed. A lot of jobs. I had cousins that are 10 years older than me. They're able-bodied, and they, they had to take the, the retirement package. So we have to take a balanced approach here. Um, so as far as your question, you know, I, I, I would call myself a Reagan Democrat. 
a Reagan Democrat. Wow. Boy, we haven't had anybody on the program yeah. call themselves a Reagan Democrat in decades. So I, I'm, I'm in the middle. You know, there's hardliners on both sides, and that's when most people in the general populace are in mm -hmm. the middle, right? They, they, we all want the same things. We want a roof over our heads. We want to provide for our families. We want jobs. We need opportunity, economic opportunity to fend for ourselves. And um, anytime the, the policy tilts in any you know, to, to the extreme, any direction, mm -hmm. guys like myself get squeezed out. And I'll give you an example. Um, I was a financier and I was displaced from the industry. And then Dot Frank, you know, the economy tanked and then Dot Frank came through. And it's like, there, there's no re-entering that, that, that market. It's gone. Everything's been, you know, it's all tech, it's all online. Um, but then prior to that, we've, we over-deregulated and that created kind of this boom and bust economy. And so people that suffer are the average folk like yourself and me who have to get up every morning and, and, and find economic opportunity to provide for, for our families. Why? I mean, for those listening around the country, we said this a few weeks ago when the mayor's race uh, and, the, and the city council race was on. Um, a, a large number, or a, I think, was it six members of the city council are democratic socialists now. Did you beat a democratic socialist? Unfortunately, the the incumbent who's been there over 35 right. years, who has, who right. had the worst attendance you, record yeah. for seven years. Yeah, yeah they, he spent 650000 We raised $32,000, and we had another candidate whose family won the lottery. She spent over half a million. So <laughs> with 32000 I went up against $1.1 million. Well, here's my question. Why are so many... Chicagoans turning to democratic socialists to represent them in the city council. I don't think they understand the issues. Um, you know, a lot of these people aren't economists. They don't. They don't. They don't have the skills or training uh, of what the business environment would provide. I worked in the private sector for 13 years, so there, there's that understanding of it. And I think the Bernie Sanders movement brought a lot of that out. I think the last election. I, I'm an anti-establishment person because mm -hmm. you know you need a system of checks and balances and uh, so I'm gonna vote for who's gonna be better for the country at the time all right we're gonna go back to calls now or go to calls Kevin listening to us on KLBJ in Austin Texas go ahead hello, uh, hello. Great listening to all you guys. Uh, I'm actually from Chicago so it's interesting to hear people leaving Chicago and I'm curious if the, the uh, person who lived in Austin misses Rudy's barbecue before I speak. Oh, yeah. Rudy's Barbecue. Did you ever go to Rudy's I, I, Barbecue? Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> oh, best gas station barbecue in the world. Okay. And I can't yeah. wait to go back. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think what Trump is doing on the immigration issue is genius. He wins either way. If he wins, he, his base likes him. If he doesn't, the liberals are going to have to continue to explain why they care more about non-citizens than, let's say, the African-American community. Uh, why, aren't, why, aren't there, I, why aren't there cameras inside a Cook County jail in the conditions that are in there? I, I have to agree with Kevin. I think it's part of his strategy. He's clearly um, speaking to his base, or he's trying to get a reaction out of his opponents. And that's and what we're longer, seeing here. I mean, he, 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 by doing it, he, he fires up the extreme liberals on the left, and they have to justify why they care more about... Um, illegal aliens and they does regular citizens and the more they try to explain it and rationalize it the more they twist themselves to pretzels Deal. they're now coming out this past no. weekend saying yeah. hey this is yeah. how you evade the law 
But I, I appreciate laws. Right. I really appreciate what Kevin is saying because that's the reason why I'm speaking up for the African American community. It appears that people are more concerned about illegal people. I'm not going to use the word immigrant. Illegal people in in this country more so than the concerns of African American people here. The mass incarceration rates of African American people, the failed war on drugs. These are all relevant issues out here that we have failed as a country. So I, I appreciate what Kevin is talking about. We why must doesn't speak black up. leadership do it? You do it. Why yeah. don't elected black members of the black caucus why are they not more vociferous in demanding a crackdown on illegal immigrants well a lot of the african-american politics they're politicians it's about politics never mm -hmm. before in the history of the united states i've seen caravans of people coming from honduras walking through mexico right to get to the united yeah. states it seems like somebody's paying the people somewhere to rally up these crowds of people head headed for the border something is going on something's not right because it seems like something different and, is going on and out if here. i could say okay Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, if I could say that the more the like um, mayors like Lori Lightfoot has to talk about this, the more she's going to divide her own city. Yeah. You know, the more she's saying, "Hey, this is how you evade, and this is how we're going to take care of this part of our constituency." African Americans or anybody else who's in the, uh, for example, Chicago school system, why are you so concerned about them? I, I got kids that are going back to school in September, mm -hmm. and you guys don't have your your act together. Well, I think, again, I think in, in, a, in, a, in a political case like this, because she basically is doing the same thing that Rahm Emanuel did when he was mayor, and that is he was worried about expanding his popularity in the Hispanic community. Because at one point he was thinking of running for re-election. He wasn't going to do very well in the black community. He had to find a... That's why he became the most anti-Trump big city mayor in the country. And she, you know, she kind of... Delore Lightfoot kind of downplayed it during the campaign... But now she's out there, she's in the rally, she's saying the, the police in Chicago were not going to cooperate. And again, I, I, th I think it's just, it, it creates a situation where one party is cheerleading uh, for lawbreakers. You yeah. can, the Democratic Party yeah. can't deny They're that. They are a party that supports lawbreakers and harboring lawbreakers. And I don't think the average person believes that. And it's just not resources being allocated into different places. It is um, legislation is focused right now Thanks. on immigration, and it should now that should be done. We should be focusing on criminal justice reform. We should be focusing on yep. how to improve urban centers. Like it needs to happen. Yeah. Well, again, there's there's a lot happening on criminal justice reform. I yeah, want to get back to talk that. with you about that yeah, when we return. One eight hundred seven two three eighty two. And then we've got more callers on the line. We will hear from them and hopefully from you. When you call us at 1-800-723-8289. From Chicago, I'm Bruce Dumont. Hi, I'm Ryan Sandberg, and I want to tell you about Miracle, the musical, inspired by the 2016 champion Chicago Cubs. It's one of the best productions I have ever seen. Now playing at the Royal George Theater. Do not miss it. Millions estimate their benefits online, so they can do what they want offline. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Today, millions of people all across America are building a life in recovery from addiction and mental illness. Helping themselves. And helping each other. With friends, family, and community lending their strength and support. Join the Voices for Recovery. Together. 
we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders, for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Let's go to Austin, Texas again. Kathy is listening to us on KLBJ. Go ahead, Kathy. Hello there. There Hello. must be a lot of us on the radio tonight. Good. <laughs> but um, I, I'm a longtime Democrat, registered Democrat here in Austin, and I'm, I've walked away from the Democratic Party for a lot of the reasons that you're all talking about. But the gentleman who was uh, talking about people uh, coming up from Africa, I just would like to point out that we have had people crossing the southern border from the Congo, and they actually have ended up at the bus station in San Antonio, Texas, wanting to go to Maine. And that was also brought out on uh, one of the Laura Ingram shows not long ago. Mm-hmm. But there were 350 people from the Congo who were left at the bus station in San Antonio last month. So we 350? And that was just in one group. And there is evidently a population of people from the Congo in a community in Maine, and that's where this group was headed. And, and um, it was on the, the news that the people up in Maine are saying, you know, we don't have room. So it's not just Central Americans coming across our border. To add right. to what Kathy was saying, I saw today reported that they've identified uh, people immigrant or coming in illegally from 60 different nations. Okay. And so there's a lot of to be concerned about there. Well, there was a, uh, th- this was referenced on one of the shows today, that there was recently a, a poll uh, taken in, uh, in, the, in the three in, uh, uh, in El Salvador and mm-hmm. Guatemala and, uh, and um, what am I thinking about? Third, the, Honduras. Honduras. Honduras, right. That 40, that this was a Gallup poll, that 42% of those surveyed in those three countries wanted to come to the United States. That's an incredible, well, that's an incredible number of people that want to come to the United States. So here, here's my question to you, Kathy, because you sound rational. Yeah. My question to you is, how much is enough? You know, the president said, well, uh, the president that, said was, that, 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 that we don't have enough space. I don't, I don't believe that. I think we have space for more people. But where do we put them, and what's the magic number? Hmm. Well, we have people from all over the country coming to Texas. It's, you know, please don't send any more of your residents from other states to us. <laughs> we are full, and... You know, of course, our, our government here probably doesn't say that, but our we can't take many more people in Austin. Our services are, are just um, just at its wit's ends. But, yes, that's my question for the Democratic Party. How many people do we have to take? Um, do we, is there no limit? I mean that's irrational. Let's let's ask Tia. What's what's the answer to that, Tia? Well, it's no, it's a complicated answer, really, because there shouldn't I, be a, a limit. How can we place a limit 
on the people because people are going to continue to come over here, so it's hard to place a limit, a number on it. And really, we need to put a push forth policy when it comes down to the numbers. So many from over here, so many from over there, but that does not exist right now. David. Yeah, well, uh, we we need population growth. Canada's done a great job um, with their immigration policy. If not, um, you start seeing population dec decline. Um, and the thing is, as the economy grows, you also need uh, labor as well. We've, we've got a lot of labor shortages in the U.S. right now. There's 7 million, uh, 7 million open jobs. So if we just deport everyone, we're going to have an issue. So I, I think that you can, you know, every year you can kind of peg that number and kind of can, can we absorb that, that, can the labor market absorb that population when change? When you say there are 7 million open jobs, when you hear that deal, what are you saying? How do some of those seven million job opportunities get to African Americans, where the unemployment rate is is higher than in the white community? Well, right now, forty six percent of African American youth between ages of sixteen to like thirty are unemployed in Chicago. The main question would be is that do people really, really want to work? Number one, I know a lot of young people in, in the African American community. A lot of my people, I just want to say that and make it clear that that do not want to work right now. So that's a bigger question. I tell people all the time there are jobs are plentiful, but people have to assert themselves and look for those jobs and go to work seriously because there's like say seven million jobs right now in the state of Illinois. There's probably around two thousand to three thousand open positions uh, in the state of Illinois right now. Are they jobs in your yeah. view? Are they jobs that African African Americans are qualified for. Yes, and that's another question. You have to become qualified. You have job training centers out here. You can prep people, you know, help them uh, be prepared to go to a particular job. But in the meantime, yeah, you have some decent jobs. You have janitorial jobs. You have uh, high-level jobs, insurance brokers. You have jobs for people, all plumbers. You have jobs, people working in offices, uh, bank tellers, and all those types of jobs. One of the things that yeah. the president has spoken about, and that is uh, ex-offenders coming back, re-entry. They're looking for jobs when they come back into the United States. A question for you, I don't need the answer right now, we'll yeah. do it in the next hour. Should people who are returning from prison, having paid their dues, should they be given a priority over an illegal immigrant coming to the country? That's the question. We'll hear it from everybody else. I'm Bruce Dumont, thanks for joining us tonight. Bye-bye. Ryan Sandberg, 
and I want to tell you about Miracle, the musical, inspired by the 2016 champion Chicago Cubs. It's one of the best productions I have ever seen. Now playing at the Royal George Theater. Do not miss it. Millions estimate their benefits online so they can do what they want offline. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Today, millions of people all across America are building a life in recovery from addiction and mental illness. Helping themselves. And helping each other. With friends, family, and community lending their strength and support. Join the Voices for Recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders. For you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Keeping in touch with family and friends or reaching public safety officials can be challenging during power outages. If telecom networks are affected by severe weather or other conditions, the FCC recommends following these guidelines. Call 911 only when necessary and limit non-emergency calls. Avoid repetitive redialing to minimize network congestion. Try texting if a call doesn't go through. Conserve battery power. Switch mobile phones and devices to power-saving modes and turn off when not in use. If evacuated, forward landline calls to your cell phone if possible. If you're using your car to charge cell phones or listen to news on the car radio, be aware that carbon monoxide emissions can be deadly in an enclosed space such as a garage. Remember, always seek shelter in dangerous conditions and follow directions from public safety officials. For more info, go to FCC.gov emergency. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago, and uh, <clears throat> one of the points I want to make is that <clears throat> normally I say we have card-carrying Republicans and card-carrying Democrats. I'm not so sure we have any real card-carriers here tonight because they're, they're cross-pollinating some of their ideas, which is a good idea, and that's how I, how I think we can solve some, uh, some problems. We're going to go to call. Let's go to David right in, listening in uh, San Francisco. He's been on a long time. Go ahead, David. I understand you're listening to us on YouTube tonight. Or watching us on YouTube. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, thanks, Bruce, and your guest. You know, it's interesting. I, I saw this uh, editorial. There's a magazine online called Facing South. So it's one of these Southern Heritage kind of uh, websites. And the editorial actually shows how the uh, citizenship question on the census would screw the South out of a minimum of five uh, congressional seats. Uh, two in Texas, uh, two in Georgia, and one in Alabama, and then 
prospectively uh, a few more in other states in the South. So by asking the citizenship question, the people, like they say, cutting off their nose to, faith, uh, to uh, spite their face. So uh, I think it's uh, facingsouth.org, and you can see this editorial about mm -hmm. it. But uh, I, I mentioned this before on, on your show, that I believe that Trump's motivations are not uh, you know, honorable by any means. The guy is a real estate broker, and he knows that if he cuts off the border uh, at planting time, then a whole bunch of farmers and ranchers won't get their crops in. If he cuts off the border at harvest time, they're not going to get their crops out. And so that's going to set it up so that a lot of farmers and ranchers are going to lose their land. Now, what's even worse this year is we've got flooding from Montana all the way over to Ohio, and, uh, or Pennsylvania even. And so the, uh, the floods require a whole lot of hired help, and hired help needed quick, and he's shutting down the border. So Trump is setting it up so that he and his land grab buddies are going to be able to buy a lot of property at tax auction this year. Mm -hmm. Okay, does anybody agree with that assessment? You've made, you've made the point. I don't know whether I can agree with that or not. I, I, my, my point would be is I think Donald Trump's got a lot going on. I'm not so sure he has a lot of time to deal with his real estate buddies to, to try to bring more money to him. Maybe that's naive on my part. But again, I, thank you for your call. And I think his focus more is on being commander-in-chief. And as president, you're supposed to secure the nation's border. And I think that he's approaching it from that matter uh, of thinking. When the president uh, first started to speak about Ill illegal immigration, it was, it's a national security issue. And then the MS-13 gang is coming. In other words, he gave three or four reasons as to why he wanted to crack down. Do you think he has delivered on making his case to the American people that there may be a national security issue that is being disregarded by the Democrats and disregarded no. by the media, in well, your view. Well, let me say this. <clears throat> There's no data that we can point to that dictates the fact that the illegal immigration crisis is a national uh, you know, threat here, you know, for the United States. We've had more domestic terrorism than we've had anything else in the United States. So I disagree with the president saying that the illegal immigrant might be a security threat based on the fact we have no evidence to back it up. Is it a security threat if they are involved in the drug traffic to which the president alleges. I don't think any. Not 95% of heroin is coming from Mexico. Yeah. So it's not so an allegation. It's that's so that's what I'm just saying is that is, is, can we look at the drug problem in America? And human trafficking. And human trafficking and say right. that that's, that's a national you, security issue, Max? Absolutely. And just the numbers back that up. And I think Trump came at it from the other side where he just, I think the people were thinking that before. He, he said what the people were thinking. But, and both sides just kind of kicked the issue under the can for, for, for decades. But you have to go all, all the way back to President Nixon's failed war on drugs. The thing is, the national security threat has been here for over 40, 50 years with the drug trade. Right. Now, I understand we need to close the borders. I agree with that because drugs are coming across the border without a doubt in, in, big, in high volume. It's been that way for way too long. So a national security threat, I don't see it. It's just the United States government, the DEA, should do a better job at intercepting the illegal flow of drugs coming to the United States. And and in the black community in particular. <laughs> well, what, yeah. <laughs> what about what about the demand? The, the demand, demand is in the black community. The demand is in the white community. 
if the drug demand, you know, where the where, and human trafficking where the demand, where does that come from? <laughs> but drug addiction yeah. is a disease. David, it's a disease. I know it is. You know, right. But again, we're, we we right. can't <laughs> deny that that isn't part of this bigger, broader picture. Understood. Yeah, I think um, David. you know, I think closing the border is going to hit the black markets really hard because you've got a porous border where there is human trafficking. It, it if anything, it emboldens human trafficking. We had a caller say that there was a, a bus full of people from the Congo crossing the border into San Antonio. Uh, we've got a lot of drug trade that goes through there. We've got billionaire drug kings on the other side of the border. You know, I, I would say that is a, that is a national security issue. Four point two billion dollars a year, Jillian. Well, and I know we see it in our own communities that there's a growing demand for drugs coming across the border, and the demand is strong. And so it's another. Uh, part of the equation that needs to be solved and there may be legislation or um, resources that can be sent to deal with the problem but I think it also needs to uh, we need to deal with the border and make sure that we're creating legislation Congress is uh, identifying that it's a problem and that solutions are being created to, to handle it do when Britain need... wanted to take over China they sent an opium opium they didn't send in troops yeah. do, so do it is we, a national security do issue. we need do we need uh, a Marshall plan uh, for uh, Central America and for the the, the uh, cent and for Central America, I, we talked about war against Syria. I would love a war against the cartels. Some sort of we want well, a war against uh, the cartels. I, I, I think that there could be a way to do it without entering into war. So there's things that you can do on our home front to hopefully help people who are addicted to the drugs that are coming across so, the border. There's legislation that can be passed to uh, to impact that. Well, I'm so, sorry, David. Go ahead. Yeah, well, uh, Bruce mentioned Marshall Plan, and we we're rebuilding other countries. And the, my my thing is, you know, we had we've had a, an immigration issue here for 30, 40 years. We we've also had a demand for that labor as well on this side of the on this right. side of the border. Um, and you know, we've been our policy has been outsourcing to China across the ocean, and you know, we've got Latin America in our own backyard. And I would honestly prefer that. If, if we're outsourcing, it is in our backyard because, you know, if we provide the people in those countries the opportunity to provide for themselves economically and, and allow those economies to progress and mature, we would, you, you, you there, there, there's been a slowdown actually in migration back into immigration into the U.S. because there are more economic opportunities in Mexico or Latin America. And I think, I think we should, you know, that is our backyard. We should tend to it. And, you know, I, I think the policy should be in trying to rebuild those countries and pro provide them. Who that. believes that, Max? I believe, believe that. that. That was my big complaint with NAFTA that a lot of people echoed on both sides, mm -hmm. that we did nothing to increase the labor standards of the countries that we traded with, despite our purchasing power, which is the largest in the world. Would the, would the public buy giving more support to Nicaragua, or would, or would, would Democrats complain about it and say, why aren't you giving that? To the inner cities of Chicago, more than Syria. Well, I think the Democrats might complain, but the Democrats have been complaining for 30 years too about the same issues. Because the thing is, nothing has really changed for poor people in the inner cities throughout uh, the United States. Detroit, Memphis, St. Louis. St. Louis is number one for gun violence right now. People don't know that. Uh, the Chicago Southeast and West Side of Chicago, mm -hmm. no community development over the last 30 years. East St. Louis downstate, uh, no uh, community development downtown East St. Louis over the last 50 years. Yeah, you said we were back yeah. shortly from Chicago. I do. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran 
My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago, and let's go to Austin, Texas again. KLBJ is a busy place for us tonight. Go ahead. You're on the air, Timothy. Is that right? Timothy Ibbotson here. Hey, uh, I, it's been a really interesting conversation y'all have had. Thank you. I, I will say that. Am I coming through? Yes, really? you are. Go ahead. Well, at the end, <clears throat> we're talking about whether or not we should do some sort of Marshall Plan to Latin America. Mm -hmm. And the comments on that were kind of, I don't know, not very detailed. So I, I wanted to comment on that and then see what people thought about it. But most importantly, I, I just think it's wonderful that this conversation is happening. I think it's good. Uh, new group of people. I don't listen to the radio very often. I just had a comment. Well, thank so, you. Here's the thing. The thing nobody wants to really be honest about on any level, from any side, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat, and it seems like a lot of the people on this panel are kind of in the middle, they're independent thinkers, and that's really important because we've been complicit in a lot of the problems throughout the world, but we also are part of the solution. That's what America is. And it's a promise that we give to people that they can be free here to create their own life, and that is what attracts people to come. And then people are struggling in different places, but be it Africa or the Middle East or Mexico or Honduras or Venezuela these days and things like that. None of these people would come here if there were better opportunities in their own country. However, we also know that we can't just give them things and then they turn into Venezuela. So when you think about Marshall Plan, you think about giving people basic necessities so they can sustain life. And it was a great moment in American history, but they rebuilt their own country. We just kind of helped them through a really difficult path. Right. The problems we have in Latin America are much larger than that. They're, they're much more systemic. You know, you might call it corruption, you know, corruption in government, and also corrupts the spirit of people. And, and, and the mechanism by which this happens really is money coming through illicit sources in the black market, illegal uh, billions of dollars of uh, drug trafficking and stuff like that. And, and, you know, our government hasn't been honest about our history involved in that. We also aren't honest about the reality that if that doesn't stop, there is going to not be a lot of opportunity for people to clean up their own government. We've also been complicit in destabilizing Central American countries that weren't necessarily communist or socialist, but they just weren't really siding with our foreign policy at the time. And that, a lot of that happened in the 80s and 70s mm -hmm. and 80s. So, Tim, what do you think? I, I, Tim, I want to I want to kind of telescope your your comment. Mm -hmm. What do you think we do now? Let Let's focus on the three triangle countries. What do you think we should do? 
The president has said he wants to cut off foreign aid, and that riled up the Democrats. They said, and a lot of people said, even Republicans said, why are you doing that now? What, what, are you, what are you leaving in its place to try to keep people in those countries? Because the other argument that the Trump administration has made, and there are others that agree with that, and that is the money that's been going there is going to corrupt governments. It's, it's, it's beefing up corrupt governments. So if we don't want money to go to corrupt governments, how do we funnel the money to institutions within those countries that will make their, their, uh, their, uh, their, their populace smarter, more educated, uh, more, more driven, uh, more, uh, more opportunities for economic development? How does that happen if you don't have the government involved? I'm going to ask David uh, Herrero, who's with us, then we'll go back to you to sort of weigh in on that particular thought. If you, yeah. if, if you don't want to go through the government, who do you go through? That's the problem. We have the, the corrupt officials in a lot of these countries, and they, they pocket the money, and we get nothing. It's a blank check. Um, so I think what we need to do is take a more nation-building approach, and maybe we send over we, – we, we broker a deal where you know we could send over a few – maybe the Fortune 500 companies should start looking at expansion plans and, hey, this is part of – this uh, uh, Latin American Marshall Plan, and we're going to invest here, but it's it's going to be an American style, cap private sector capitalistic approach where it's it versus here here's just a check and we we good luck and you know we've been doing that for fifty years it hasn't worked. I had to interrupt, but like Chiquita bananas when they hey, were when, which, when they were in David, Chile when they had a private uh, yeah. yeah go ahead yeah Chiquita you, banana you, where they had a, a private mercenary yeah. I'm oh, sorry. You came to me with the question originally, and then you went to your panelists, which I think is great. And David, thanks for your thought. But um, here's the thing, David. I agree with you. Don't go through the government and don't be writing blank checks through a Marshall Plan for Latin America through corrupt uh, resources. However, the solution is also not to go to the Fortune 500. You might call that capitalism, but it's not capitalism. It's a, it's a crony capitalism. That's like the Chiquita banana, or somebody else said Chiquita banana. This has been like a big problem. So really, it's about the spirit of people, right? And the way we stop it is we stop attracting magnets to our own country, which is we get in, we get our employers on board with not hiring illegal immigrants. We stop right. the magnet of people coming here. And at the same time, we also have to deal with the issue of all the money that we're creating by consuming all this illicit drug activity, right? You're not going to stop people from doing drugs. But we, are, we already know 100 years ago that prohibition doesn't work. So when you, when you regulate those industries, people stop killing people, they make a lot less money, people don't overdose as often, and then maybe in 5, 10, 15 years, certain countries are going to do better off because they're going to clean up their own mess. And then the people can just stay there because they don't want to come here. They'd rather stay in their own countries and have jobs and have family. I so I just wanted to, want, I just wanted to rebuttal a little bit here. Um, so yeah, the, the government model hasn't worked, right? Uh, I did. The Fortune 500 was just an example, but you know a lot of these countries need infrastructure, roads and bridges, and so you need some sort of private contractor to go down there. It doesn't have to be a Fortune 5, but you know, David, a small, I, David, small business you on that, can't do but, that. Uh, small business owners aren't going to do that. But, here, but here's the thing, David, is we've all, I would assume most people listening to this throughout the country are aware of all the times we've given money to foreign countries to finance infrastructure projects. Um, you know, confessions of an economic hitman, you put these countries into a significant amount of debt, 
then you have to come back and get them to, uh, to vote with you or do whatever they want to do to destabilize their country and let their leadership, who prospers, and rich people in those countries prosper. The issue isn't bridges in Mexico. That's not the problem. It's a, it's a country of a ton of resources and wonderful people. They don't need more bridges. Yeah. Let me say this. I don't feel there should be no Marshall Plan for Central America unless we have a serious crackdown on the illegal drug trade. You know, somebody, you have to mm -hmm. give something in order to get something. The governments of Mexico, you know, any Central American governments, there should be a coordinated effort with the United States, you know, DEA, to make sure we have a serious crackdown on, on the illegal drug trade. Then we present a Marshall Plan. You don't think it's serious now? No, it's, it's more than serious now. It's at a, yeah. at a level now that is totally unacceptable, but it's been around for over 40 years. That's right. the point I'm making. Right. So no Marshall Plan without a serious crackdown to stop the illegal flow of drugs. I just have one last comment because we did rebuild. We, we 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 rebuilt Japan after we hit it with two nuclear bombs. We rebuilt Western Europe, mm -hmm. so they worked back then. And you know, we've got to tweak the model and try to reapply it somewhere. You know, if if we have these issues from and coming south of the border. Timothy, thank you for your call. Go ahead, make a point. I know I've been uh, talking about how I really think that Congress needs to act and make legislation, but there's also things that personal uh, citizens can do. I know that there's projects through Unbound or Kiva you can make with new technology, new direct microloans to people in those countries. Mm -hmm. And so there might be ways to do it through that kind of person to person from United States citizens to that Central American area instead of always depending on the government to solve our problems. Okay. One quick question. Should there be a place in the United States, I don't know where it would be, should there be a place in the United States where refugees, those that have, are seeking asylum, and they've been granted asylum, should there be a place where they go to live and to prosper? Should there be a new community somewhere in this country that is, that is made up of people that are coming from that part of the world. Well, I think uh, clearly I was in a much different situation when I went to a different country to live, but right. part of the beauty of living in a different country is learning about that country and being with its people and integrating yourself into the community. And so by establishing just like one zone in the country for people to live, I think that would completely defeat the purpose of having people come and enjoy the wonderful freedoms we all share. It would kind of be restricting a certain <coughs> class of people to a certain area of the country. I don't think I would be in do favor think, of it. Do you, think, do you think if someone is fleeing, if they are fleeing Nicaragua, Nicaragua because they fear for their children's lives because there's gangs and there's violence and there's corruption, if you send that person and you re relocate them to the south or west side of Chicago, where we have 50, 60 people shot every weekend. How, is that really a better life for them? Well, just, your solution it, sounds kind of like, it sounds great in theory, but in practice sounds more like a skid row, escape from New York type situation. <laughs> like, I don't think it's good to concentrate people in any, <laughs> any way like that. Yeah. There I'm just saying a, is, yeah, but there I'm, shouldn't be a zone. Yeah, there uh, shouldn't be a uh, I think they should assimilate in overall society. I mean, no matter what, they might they may end up going to uh, Joliet, Aurora. They could go to some parts of Austin, Texas. Yeah, mean, Wyoming. I mean, whatever, <laughs> Wyoming, Montana. Montana. Thing, yeah, there should yeah. be no separation. No, I, I just don't think there should be, especially if they've been granted asylum over here. Okay. Judah, we go to you in Chicago listening to us on YouTube. Go ahead. Judah, are you there? Line two. Let's go to Catherine on line four. You weren't able to win, but I. Okay, go ahead. My, my question is 
to you, Max, and to your panel is that, you know, in the last debate, the every single nominee, our nominee, or, you know, the person in the debate raised their hand that they were for granting illegal aliens um, free health care. And I mean, for me, I mean, I like free health care for yes, me and my family. <laughs> I just, I just don't understand it. And I, I wonder. By the way, they did. By the way, they did not say free health care. They said health care. Just that that they image did. in itself. They did not kind say, of, um, yeah, that that I refer to that picture as the Trump re-election photo op. Yeah. I'm Bruce Dumont. Back shortly. Keeping in touch with family and friends or reaching public safety officials can be challenging during power outages. If telecom networks are affected by severe weather or other conditions, the FCC recommends following these guidelines. Call 911 only when necessary and limit non-emergency calls. Avoid repetitive redialing to minimize network congestion. Try texting if a call doesn't go through. Conserve battery power. Switch mobile phones and devices to power-saving modes and turn off when not in use. If evacuated, forward landline calls to your cell phone if possible. If you're using your car to charge cell phones or listen to news on the car radio, be aware that carbon monoxide emissions can be deadly in an enclosed space such as a garage. Remember, always seek shelter in dangerous conditions and follow directions from public safety officials. For more info, Go to FCC.gov slash emergency. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Nice to have you with us this evening. And if uh, today NBC Wall Street Journal came out with a new poll, they released it on Meet the Press today. This is for the Democratic nomination. And uh, Joe Biden continues uh, in first place, according to their poll, at 26%. Elizabeth Warren has moved into second place at 19%. Kamala Harris has moved up to third at 13%. She is now tied with Bernie Sanders, who has dropped to that number four position. And uh, Pete Buttigieg is at 7%. And if you drop down below that, uh, the only people that are below that is uh, Beto O'Rourke is at 2%, and Andrew Yang is at 2%. But all the other people that have been running for a long time, uh, they're getting uh, no traction at all. So uh, at the moment, it looks like uh, Biden at the moment uh, is leading uh, the, the race. However, uh, the big political news last week was a, a kind of a spit, uh, a spit spat or a spat between, or a spit take between the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and uh, Alexandria or Ocasio-Cortez in which Speaker Pelosi referred to them as a squad, referring to uh, AOC and three other members, uh, more controversial members of the left wing, the new, the new class of this year, uh, that she is referred to as a squad, basically saying they're getting a lot of publicity. They've got great uh, Twitter followers, uh, but uh, their opposition doesn't uh, uh, amount to many votes. In fact, they she specifically was critical of AOC and this squad of uh, four uh, left of centers, left of center uh, Democrats, because they voted against the $4 billion plus package to help out uh, those immigrants on the border. These were the same four people who went to the detention centers, who decried the conditions at the detention centers, who opened their mouths, got all kinds of publicity, sent all the tweets out to talk about the problem 
But again, when it came time to vote for $4 billion to help those people out, they voted no. So again, you've got battles between the Speaker of the House and uh, the young firebrands of the Democratic Party. David, uh, you said you're, you're, a, you're a Reagan Democrat, so I think I know the answer to this question, but uh, you have four squeaky wheels. And in the media world, the squeaky wheels, which is, which is AOC and the squad, uh, they, they get all the publicity. Are they, are they leading the party? And is Nancy Pelosi, is she just being preserved as an old uh, white liberal from San Francisco? You know, I don't think they're, help, they're not helping their party out. They're moving so far to the left that I honestly think the, they're going to lose the Midwest in the general. So it's going to come down to there's a lot of people that are center of the aisle like myself who want what's best for for the country right and um you know anytime you start going too far to any extreme people get a wake-up call and they're like you know what yeah i'm not really going to buy into that so um that's great for them and local politics and if that's what is going to get aoc elected and nancy pelosi you know that you know they live in that realm but nationally i, I think it's actually going to hurt the, the democratic party uh teal what do you think as a democrat is this a good battle i mean you know in every generation there are there's the old guard and then there's the young guard the young guard always wants a faster track they want things better and quicker in this particular case you have four of the of the most left members of congress they get a lot of publicity uh, they're reaching out to the millennials. They've got the following. They've got the ear of the media. And are, are they in a position, in your view, to change the complexion and the future of the Democratic Party? Because there's no African-Americans in this list. There's one, Presley. Presley, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Thank you. Know, you. I, you know, I believe when it comes down, when it comes down to the millennials, uh, you have some uh, the younger people. It's time for younger people to take take office here. You have 435 congressional seats up in 2020. <clears throat> you have, I think, around 50 uh, U.S. Senate seats up, and it's time for a major change, a uh, major shift here in America because the old time politicians. Look at Mitch McConnell. You know the way he's talking. You know, look at some of these people that have been around for over 40 years. Bobby Rush. Yeah, Bobby. Yeah, Bobby Rush. Without a doubt, it's time to put a Rush Danny on Bobby Davis. Rush, Danny Davis. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have one of the best Danny Davis voices in the world. Hey, I'm Congressman Danny Davis. You know, I grew up in Arkansas, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest with you. But the point I make, yeah, it's time for some new faces to, uh, you know, to, you know, come to the, you know, come on the scene on the congressional level. And all that was because the reality So are they, right, right, yeah. are they rightfully getting the, the, uh, the publicity that they deserve? I mean, they're pushing the party. And uh, although not much has been happening in Congress... If you listen to the Democratic presidential candidates, they seem to be following the script of the four young members of the squad. Well, they have no choice but to follow the script of the four younger members because right now, all the people that have been around for ages, it's, it's just not working anymore. See, it's all about money. One thing I learned mm -hmm. when I ran for office, if you don't have the money, you should not run. Is it uh, working for Joe Biden? Uh, Joe Biden is, is he's getting, you know, we'll see how that plays out. The verdict is still out on Joe Biden. I think it's working for him because of his attachments to Barack Obama, you know, to a degree. It's still a Barack Obama, you know, yeah. residue hanging out there with Joe Biden, I believe. That's my take on it. Do you think, do you think that he hurt himself by talking about that he used to work with segregationist senators? It hurt is that, is that, is that, is that viewed as wisdom in the rearview mirror or is it a profile in courage? 
or is it just uh, an old man who's reflecting on the past? Yeah, he's just what do you guy. think? No, he's an older guy reflecting on the past because we all have made decisions when we were younger, and they may come back to bite us sometimes, but the thing is that doesn't mean that he was on the far left side of that issue or whatever the case may be because that was a different era in America at that time. And you even have African-American people that believe <clears throat> that segregation was better for African-American people than desegregation, okay? You have African-American yeah. people that believe that because we, we were progressing a lot more during the segregation era in America, in our history. But are old black voters more reliable voters than millennial black voters? Old black voters are more reliable voters. It's been okay. proven at the polls. It's yeah, been proven, four, four times. But the millennials yeah. are picking up the pace now. But yeah, you're right. Old black voters are, they vote. Bottom line, they vote for the incumbents. 90% of the time, they vote for the incumbents. Mm -hmm. uh, Max, you're, you're a Republican, but again, uh, uh, you're also a political animal. When you look at what's happening <laughs> in the Democratic yeah. field, are you, uh, uh, is, is this just more of a circular firing squad that uh, they've Well, I mean, everyone's kind of touched on it. They kind of, uh, it kind of was created by Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, who did nothing for, for so long. And I think the, the whole debate is just crazy that he was in, in the Senate 40 years ago. Like that in itself is yeah. is, is bad just from a, um, from a people's perception that he was a senator in 1975, and uh, no, yeah, they're 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 crazy. And what does it great. what does yeah. what does it do that with all of his background, however? Yeah, he was selected by Barack Obama to be his running mate. He could have selected as Eddie a compromise. Or, I mean, Abraham Lincoln selected uh, Andrew Johnson. No, but that was I, I, I don't want to go. I, yeah. I don't know the politics of that. Yeah, but again, the fact is, he picked Joe Biden. What does does that not give him some unique credibility? Oh, absolutely. It kind of gives him a huge advantage, but he's proven time and time again that he's not a good uh, politician. Like, he's lost three what primaries you, what before. Do you, what do you think? Uh, and he's really slipped, too, he's been, around, he's been around a long time. He was, he, was out, he was out front on civil rights issues when Kamala Harris was in grade school. Right? Right. And? But this now, does, does an old white guy get credit for... Doing that, or is he just yesterday's news now? I believe he's yesterday's news based on the fact that, yeah, he's old, he's been around, but what has he brought to the table? My people are still struggling <clears throat> on a higher level here across the United States. If you look at the disparities that's <clears throat> taking place between black and white, the, the income, you know, the, the wealth gap, you know, we, we're struggling out here. You have different segments of the society. You have middle class African-American America, wealthy class African-American America. You have poor, absolute poor. I mean, the, the list goes on and on, but... Uh, when Bill Clinton passed the crime bill, he was there then. Uh, like a lot of the crime bill. That like was a lot of Democrats. Bill. And like I think the like, like the Black Caucus. Really, yeah. Like the Black Caucus. Absolutely. Right now, Bobby Rush saying he, he, uh, he regrets signing off on that bill. But the point is this. Biden has been around while all those things were going on here in, in our country. So it's time for new, new people, new blood. That's all I'm saying. Get some new blood. And they can be consultants to some of the new blood <laughs> and talk about where they went wrong and help these young people David. not go wrong. Well, there's a whole uh, anti-establishment undertone nationwide. I mean, look, Lori Lightfoot won Chicago against Tony Preckwinkle, who was yep. the machine candidate. So it was on the Republican side and on the Democratic side. We had Bernie, we had all that, and I don't think that they learned they were going to put up another establishment. Joe Biden up there. Um, yeah. Now, one, one of my favorite Joe comedians, Eddie Murphy, has a stand-up joke where he said, what have you done for me lately? And what has Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden done for well, any of us lately? He says he's going to cure cancer, but every, everybody, cancer's everybody still around. Question. <laughs> yeah. she, well, she would argue that, uh, you know, Obamacare was... was really, is anyone like Obamacare. in their health insurance listening right now yeah, or right. at this table? My question to you is, you have been very critical of the role, of, of the increasing role that gays and lesbians have 
in the Democratic Party. Well, I've you came up it. with a recent post on it. Yes. Took a lot of heat from it. <laughs> I took a lot of heat on. Let me be clear with all the people that, that are viewing your show beyond the beltway. I'm glad to be on this show. I was raised that a man should be with a woman. I'm talking about me. Yeah. That doesn't make me anti anything that you are. I want to make that clear. I'm not homophobic. I support all human beings. I just believe that with the LGBT community, what happens? This is a sensitive topic. What happens is that you, everybody see we should all just be Americans. There shouldn't be no separation. Uh, we should just all be Americans. Right now, you have over about 40 different flags for the LGBTQ community, and they're uh, they're gaining more political power each and every day. And that's okay. I have no problem with that. But nobody's <clears throat> going to speak this way because people are scared to talk about this issue. I have gay friends. They know where I stand. I'm not anti-gay. I was just raised that a man should be with a woman. I want to just make that crystal clear. That doesn't mean I'm against anybody. I just have to say it this way because I'm passionate about it. But the reality is this. I'm, I'm proud of all the advancement that uh, the gay community is making, with, you know, without a doubt. But it's all political, once again. It's political. Uh, right now, it's more like a political base that they're uh, developing now that's going to be stronger than any other political base in Chicago for a long time to come. Are they flexing their muscle now more effectively and efficiently than the black community? That's my point. Yes, they are. And then a lot of people hijack the black power movement to, for, their own, for their own progress and their own, you know, for their own issues. I see that happening all the time. We're going to pause. 1-800-723-8029. Yeah. <laughs> One more segment. <laughs> then we'll be back. Yeah. Thanks. I'm glad right. that you, you said that, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Ryan Sandberg, and I want to tell you about Miracle, the musical, inspired by the 2016 champion Chicago Cubs. It's one of the best productions I have ever seen. Now playing at the Royal George Theater. Do not miss it. Millions estimate their benefits online, so they can do what they want offline. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Today, millions of people all across America are building a life in recovery from addiction and mental illness, helping themselves and helping each other with friends, family, and community lending their strength and support. Join the Voices for Recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders, for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. In Chicago, thanks very much for joining us. Let's go to Kathleen. She's listening to us on WCGO, our flagship station in Chicago, Illinois. Go ahead, Kathleen. Are you there? Kathleen. Catherine, where is she? She's gone. She's gone with the wind. Uh, I want to come back uh, and talk uh, with you, Jillian, a little bit about uh, what you have been involved in because you, you Early in the program, you painted uh, yourself in your in your answer to a question as someone who's very concerned about uh, illegal immigrants and treating them properly. And my question to you is, as a as a young Republican, what advice would you give to the president to um, clean up his act in regards to how he speaks about the immigrant community? So there's there's things I like about. Our president, and there are things I don't like. Uh, I do like his tax cut legislation. I do like that the employment's low across board. I do like that he's pursuing things like criminal justice reform. Um, I sometimes the he sent out a tweet 
today, in fact, that was probably didn't need to be said. Um, and so I Which think one? that it was go, um, go towards home. the the I guess we're calling them the squad of four now. So yeah. towards the congresswomen. And so it wasn't something that needed to be said. Uh, I think it. Uh, he expresses his frustration that way and it speaks to his base, but it doesn't always communicate what he's really good at to the rest of the nation and to um, people who are going to vote for him in the up upcoming election cycle. And so I think that, um, you know what, that's how he communicates. That I'm not certain I can say anything to change the way he's going to communicate. Do you, um, th do you think that most people support the idea of uh, ICE going out and seeking out those 2,000 people who are in violation of their deportation order and believe that the president is doing the right thing by rounding those people up and sending them back to their countries. Do you think, do you think that's the popular position in the country? I want to get everybody's reaction to that. I think that the, the people across our country aren't able to see that because of the way the media portrays it. So it seems to people who might just idly be watching television that they're rounding up women and children. These are 2,000, a very small percentage of the illegal aliens right. in our country that they are um, going after who have gone through due process, who have been before a judge, who okay. just didn't show up to be deported. And so they have a deportation order. And from what we've heard from the administration, they're going after those that are criminal or who have entered multiple times. Do you think so, that's a popular position, uh, Max? I think the popular position is they, they want they want the deportation if they don't want to see the actual process of it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Deal? I think the, the law is, is, is the law. And the law must be abided by based on the So they want to see it enforced, but in the middle of the night. They don't want a lot no, of No, I just pictures. think, as I said earlier, it's about education. I think, though, the face of uh, illegal immigrants is mainly people from Latin, you know, Central America, you know, Mexico, whatever the case, and people don't have the, the facts in front of them. I think people need to be educated. They're going after 2,000 people that had, uh, they, they uh, you know, that had their papers where they were not, they could right. not stay here, okay? That's what needs to be, people need to be educated about that. That's all I can say about it. David? Yeah. Yeah. Are the pub, does, does the general yeah. public support this idea, in your view? Well, they don't, I don't think they understand um, exactly who's being targeted, um, which are the criminals. They're the first ones to get out. You know, if you broke our laws, you're here un, undocumented, you know. Um, what, 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 then, role think, is the, what role is the media playing? I mean, I, I'm thinking... Terrible. Uh, the, the, the media's role in in, uh, in in falsely creating images really bothers me. I mean, I, the idea of seeing uh, firsthand, and this is what I do support, if there's a media story that's going to show me conditions at the detention centers that have four or five hundred people in a cage, first of all, I hate when they say caged. Well, I mean, if you're being detained, you're in a cell or you're, you're caged. That, that's what happens. That's what you do. Yes, also the media the should word, be more like C-SPAN and less like Jerry Springer. Yes. Also the word they raids, should, because these raids. are going in and targeting specific people. These aren't going into companies and taking out all of their right. employees. It's aggressive law enforcement. Mm -hmm. But the word raids has a, you know, and again, if you, if you arrest a, a woman or a child, then that becomes the photo, and people react to the photo. And you also, uh, going to your point, Bruce, we saw, I think, uh, our vice president, Pence, he usually yes. doesn't get too aggressive on Twitter, but he was pretty uh, upset with CNN and their coverage of his trip to the border, where right. you just saw that. you He originally visited 
um, a, a, a home for mother mothers with right. children. Right. And it was a comfortable place and everything looked well kept and he talked with people there and they said that they were cared for and then he went to a detainee um, facility right. for all young men and it was very different they were behind the the iron or the uh, chain link fence and everything mm -hmm. and that was the only thing that someone like cnn showed and so you have to have both sides of the story and the media obviously can offer that they just aren't fox news too and I, I was on Fox News, and my whole experience was they literally, for a whole week, gave me a script of exactly what to say. And obviously, I went off script, and you could look it up on YouTube. Like what? What did they tell you to say? I was supposed to be an Obama supporter that switched my vote to Mitt Romney in the 2012 election. Yeah. But if they would have done some research, I was too young to vote in the 2008 election. Oh. So that's not even humanly possible. And for a whole week, they just gave me talking points. Now, here's what you're going to say. You're, you're, uh, now you're living back at home, and... You know, you got tired of the hope and change, and now you're switching to Romney, and none of that was the truth. And so Fox News is guilty. I'm sure CNN is guilty, too. Because the, and they're, it's a they're, shame. they're speaking to their their audience. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're democratically they're ratified. I mean, as I've said before, I think what happened when the last election that took place, I think uh, the network executives said, okay, are we going to be for the electoral college population, or are we going to be for the popular vote? And I think they divide them up, and I think, the, you know, the, the left of center news operation said we're going to go for the we're going to go for the for the for the popular vote, and then and the others are going for the electoral college vote. Well, I'd love and that to see people cover news instead yeah, of yeah, give opinions on news. We, we love talking about like immigration is a real issue, but they spent I think MSNBC spent eighty percent of their airtime talking about Russia for sure, three right, months. Absolutely. Max Rice, yes. thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, Jillian, we thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Jillian yeah. Burnus, mm -hmm. and Teal Hardiman. And David Herrera, we thank you all for joining us for this portion of our program. We are gone until next week. I want to thank uh, to our friends uh, uh, Fritz uh, Goldman and uh, David. We thank you very much running the boards this week. David Marshall, I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. Hi, I'm Ryan Sandberg. And I want to tell you about Miracle, the musical, inspired by the 2016 champion Chicago Cubs. It's one of the best productions I have ever seen. Now playing at the Royal George Theater. Do not miss it. Millions estimate their benefits online so they can do what they want offline. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Today, millions of people all across America are building a life in recovery from addiction and mental illness, helping themselves and helping each other with friends, family and community lending their strength and support. Join the Voices for Recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders, for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Keeping in touch with family and friends or reaching public safety officials can be challenging during power outages. If telecom networks are affected by severe weather or other conditions, the FCC recommends following these guidelines. Call 911 only when necessary and limit non-emergency calls. Avoid repetitive redialing to minimize network congestion. Try texting if a call doesn't go through. Conserve battery power. Switch mobile phones and devices to power-saving modes and turn off when not in use. If evacuated, 
forward landline calls to your cell phone if possible. If you're using your car to charge cell phones or listen to news on the car radio, be aware that carbon monoxide emissions can be deadly in an enclosed space such as a garage. Remember, always seek shelter in dangerous conditions and follow directions from public safety officials. For more info, go to FCC.gov emergency. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.